Well, let's, let's stand and we'll read from our text in Romans chapter number 13. I should say stand if you're able to. If you're not able to, we understand. Um, Romans 13, beginning in verse number 1, we'll read once again the first seven verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Thanks be to God, that's the truth, that there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's pray. Brother Jerry, would you pray for us? Yes. We just bow down before you here in this day that we might worship you and glorify your name and proclaim your mm. word, Father, and we will certainly enjoy every single word of it, and we pray that it might guide our lives. Mm. Father, we pray for every single person here, Father, and, and uh, Father, we just pray for the message that is delivered here, even this very day. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that it might magnify thy precious name. Mm. Father, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, brother. So we've been we've been discussing in the first seven verses here about our relationship to the state. And boy, are we not in a place where there could be some things happen that could could really challenge us. Um, as far as our response would be to the state and what the state may mandate and what the state may seek to command and what the state may seek to control um, in our lives. Here's what we've sought to establish thus far. This human authority called the state is a derived authority. God's given that authority to them. It is limited in its scope. It is not over everything. They cannot command this, what we are doing this morning. If they commanded us not to do this, we'd have to do it anyway. We have to find a way you know, to do it. We may be like the church in, in China and other places. I mean, you, you've been able this morning to sing as loud as you want to, to sing as loud as you're able to. But you've seen some of the same things that I've seen and you can imagine some of those places. I mean, Brother Jerry's already told me this morning, he said, we tried to listen to some of your messages, but our computer, we can't get it turned up loud enough. It's, too, it's, it's, not, it's not loud enough for us to hear. Well, can you imagine being in the underground church in China and wondering if you're too loud, if the next-door neighbors might turn you in, and you're all cast into prison, um, and they're having to, to not sing as loud as they would sing. Um, Speak maybe as loud as they would speak. I don't know. Um, or if you're in a place like Iran and you didn't have the liberties that we have here where they would take a Christian's body after they had killed it and put the names of other Christians on it and leave it laying in the street unburied to torment those who they've not caught up with yet. Well, how are we going to think about stuff like that? Well, these are powers that are ordained of God. 
They're powers that are ordained of God, but they're also powers that are subject to God, and there is no power but of God. So we're going to have to face possibly some interesting times. Uh, Brother Denny, you know Brother Donald Denny. You remind me of him sometimes. But um, he used to say to us, to David and I, mostly, he would say, may you live in interesting times. Well, we're living in interesting times. Are we not? We're living in interesting times. But it is a limited power. The power is, we've, we've established this, I think, sufficiently. This power is meant that God has given to restrain evil, to keep the peace, to encourage good. Um, it's vested with the power of reward, and it's vested with the power of punishment. The state could punish. The state could even put to death. Um, but interesting term, isn't it, that's used here in regards to the state, and, and one which this morning I want to try to focus on a little bit, ministers. They're called ministers. Well, what's a minister? What do you think? I was going to say Steve, but Steve may not want to, may not want me to do that, may want, want to answer that question. What's a minister? Well, a minister, I'm somewhat doing that this morning, am I not? But what have I told you that I regard myself as? Hmm? No. Hmm? Not a reverend. I, I refuse that title. God, God alone is reverend, not me. But a servant. A servant of the church. That's what I see myself as. I see myself as a servant of the church, as a minister. And that's what that word means. That word actually means servant. It would be like this, a servant of a king. So in that sense, we're all ministers, right? We're all ministers because we serve the Lord Jesus Christ and we are ambassadors of Christ and, and we go forth in the name of Christ. <clears throat> so we're ministers in that sense. I know Sister Joyce was mentioning to me this morning how that she's spoken to one individual over and over again enough that she feels like, well, you know, those things that I've said, those things are going to have to stand. Not only that, but her life is going to stand. She continues faithful. I mean, here she is this morning with us. You, you, you have the title this morning, sister, as the eldest among us, I guess, right? Right? I don't think anybody else has reached 90, have they? You know? So the eldest among us, but yet faithful. She's still coming to hear the word of God proclaimed. She's had to move closer to the front so she can hear me a little bit. She's probably not able to hear every word that I say, but she's able to hear some. But we're ministers. All of us are ministers. Our lives are going to stand as a testimony to those around us. So this is what the states regarded as a minister the state's regarded as a minister, a servant. Servant for what? We've already said to restrain evil. It's a minister to restrain evil. It's a minister to administer, you know, the laws that are, that are passed. So, and in that regard, since God's established it, the, the last part of what we read this morning is it demands our respect. It's been given by God, you know. Well, the state's been given by God, but so also is what? what we are this morning. What are we? The church. We're the church. This building's not the church, but we are. We're the church. If we didn't have this building, we'd still be a church. If we had to meet under a tree, we'd still be a church. If we had to meet, it's, it's hot enough, we might meet, I was going to say by the creek, we might meet in the creek if we had to meet outside, but, um, you know, it, we'd still be a church. Wherever two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst also. Um, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We're a church. God's given a church. There's a state and there's a church, and they're different. They're not the same entity. They're not one. Though in the course of church history or in the course of the history of the world, that sometimes has been tried to be made the same, hasn't it? I mean, Constantine, for one, sought to legislate, you know, the church. But you can't do that. I mean, the church doesn't have a power over the heart, does it? I mean, it, it can restrain the outward man, 
You know, we were talking this morning about the outward man and the inner man. It can restrain the outward man, but it can't do anything to restrain the inner man. It can't restrain sin in that respect, not in the sense that God can or that God has in our lives. He's changed our hearts. The state can't do that. The state's not able to. So the state can legislate morality. We might be on the same page there. And this is, this is what's right. And the state's passed a law. We agree. You know, we disagreed with Roe versus Wade when that was done 50 years ago. We're in more alignment now, aren't we? We're, we're in agreement more with the state today than we were 50 years ago. But now it's been put into the state's hands, and we'll see what happens there. Um, some states are going to do more than they've done. You know, some states have done, you know, it's gone as far as the heartbeat bill. That's as far as they could go, you know, maybe. But we'll see if some of those states go all the way. We'll see if they decide to abolish abortion, you know, in the state of Texas or another state somewhere else. Uh, we'll see. But the, the state can legislate morality, and we can agree with some of those things. We're in agreement, you know, with some. They can legislate immorality too, can't they? Um, I was trying to remember what state it was. I think it was California. Pretty sure it was California. But they were criticizing the overturn of Roe versus Wade when on his desk right now is legislation to make prostitution legal. You know, so what confusion, what confusion there is in men, what, what confusion sin causes, what chaos sin causes that, that someone could, could look at those two things and say, I'm for prostitution, but, you know, I'm, I'm against, you know, people not being able to get an abortion, women not being able to get an abortion. So, so um, yeah, that's twisted, isn't it? And, and Satan does twist things. So the state can legislate morality, but the state cannot change the heart or the state cannot regenerate the soul. The state may pass a law and that law becomes the law of the land, but rebellion is still in the heart of the person that still exists. And what do they want? They want separation. Keep your religion out of our business. You know, we don't want that. But when it comes to the, the issue of the church and the state, there are issues that are dealt with by both. You know, if the state didn't function the way that God's called it to function, then there would be disorder. I mean, we're thankful for the state, aren't we? We talked about that. We're thankful that there are, I mean, what sense does it make to abolish the police? What sense does it make to abolish an authority like that that could restrain evil? Um, there would be complete chaos, like we've said. So that's the state's function. But if the church did not shine the light of Christ, you know, there's disorder if the state's not maintaining uh, and, and keeping the law. But if the church is not shining light, there's going to be darkness. Darkness. So the church relies upon God. The state relies upon the sword. Right? So it doesn't bear the sword in vain. Do we have a sword? Yeah. Our sword is the word of God. What does Hebrews say about it? Hmm? Hebrews chapter 4. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able even to discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, so, you know, this is, this is the sword that we have. The state has a sword, right? The state has a sword, and, it's, and it has to do with, with conviction, you know, of a, of a crime. It has to do with, with putting someone in prison to pay a penalty or in putting somebody to death. And the scripture here in Hebrew, I mean, in, in Romans 13 says that the state doesn't bear that sword in vain. God's given the state that sword to bear, and the state does not bear that sword in vain. Well, guess what? We have a sword too. Do we bear our sword in vain? No. What can you say about that? What can you say about the sword that we have? Hmm? It's the word of God, right? It's powerful. And the, the kind of power, what kind of power is there? The kind of power that spoke worlds into existence, right? That brought something out of nothing, brought matter out of nothing. There was nothing to start with. I can't build this without a tree to start with, you know? I, I couldn't put the finish, the, the shiny finish that's on there without, you know, something that I started with. I couldn't create those things. But that's the kind of power we're talking about. That's the kind of power that we're, that we're mentioning here. But what does God say about his word? 
that it does not go out of his mouth and return unto him what? Void. So the state doesn't bear its sword in vain, but neither does God's word go forth in vain, does it? Has it had an effect? Absolutely. I mean, we, I, I hear Brother Jerry praying this morning. It's had an effect upon his life. He's, he's not just saying those things because somebody has, has said, this is what you say when you pray. I called upon my cousin one time to pray, and he, he was back there thinking to himself. He told me afterwards, he's like, I didn't pray. He said, I'm trying to think, what, what did Papa used to pray? You know, so, you know, it, it, is it here or is it here? You know, where, where is it at? Um, you know, hopefully both, right? <laughs> hopefully here and there. Um, and even when it's gone from here, hopefully it's still here, right? Because that could happen to us too, couldn't it? Um, you know, we could, we could lose our ability. Brother Woodruff told me that he lost so much Scripture. You know, he lost the ability to think about Scripture that he had memorized for years. He couldn't think about it anymore. But all those things were still in his heart. You know, even unto the end. You would say, a, you would quote a verse of Scripture and he would rejoice in it. He would thank the Lord for it. Um, and some things that he, he could still, you know, um, recite. But where is it? Is it just in our heads or is it in our hearts too? You know, why do we act the way that we act? You know, the, the, the world acts the way that it acts because it's afraid of the sword that the state bears. So, I'm a, and, and I've already mentioned this and you know it. You, probably, you may have experienced it this morning because some of you drive further than I do. I'm driving a little further than I used to. But <clears throat> I still could encounter um, a state trooper between you know, my house in here now, but you've had, you've had more distance to travel than the rest of us. But when somebody sees one on the side of the road, they may be going the speed limit and they hit their brakes, you know, but there's, there's a, there's a fear of that sword. Um, you know, there's, and we could use it in, in lots of different illustrations, I'm sure, but they do what they do because they fear what may happen to them and they'll take it and push the envelope as far as they can hoping that they can get away with it and not be caught. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, you know what, the speed limit is this, but you can drive five miles over because they just let you go. That's just like a free pass. So the speed limit's really 70, not 65. Um, you know, or really 75 and not 70. Or really 80 and not 75, you know, if you use that sort of mentality. Um, but what is the speed limit really? I mean, it's really 75. If it's 75, it's not 80, it's 75. Um, so they'll push it as far as they can, is my point. If they think they can get away with five miles an hour over, then they're going to do that, you know. And, and it really doesn't matter to one, in, in one sense, for a lot of them, there may be 15 or 20 tickets in the glove box, you know, parking tickets, speeding tickets, all sorts of tickets. Um, they may have a warrant out for their arrest, and, and they're still out there on the road, and they're watching and if they see a police officer, they may pull off on a side street and take a longer route just to go around him, even though gas prices are higher. You know, they may seek to do that, but they'll push it as far as they can. But what about you? What about me as believers? We, we, we desire to fulfill and abide by those things because we love the Lord. You know, Sister Joyce and I were talking about this this morning. How do we know that we know him? We know that we know him because we love the brethren. We know that we love him because we keep his commandments. Um, we, we, we speak the way we speak. We, we, we desire not for a corrupt you know, word to come forth out of our mouths. Let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth. We, we desire that because we desire to honor the Lord with our speech. With, with what, what we see, what we hear, you know, things that we do, we desire to honor the Lord. And if we don't, if we do sin, we're miserable. We're miserable. Whereas the world, what happens when they sin? Give me more. You know, I want more. I, I, I can't get enough. You know, he, he did it his way, didn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, but for us, an infraction. And the, and the further we walk with the Lord, it seems like I was talking with, with a sister last week about this after services because she was telling me about something that she was a part of her life. She's like, I, I want to get victory over this. I want to get rid of it. And um, 
Why? Because she wanted to glorify God. She wanted to glorify the Lord. And I told her, I said, well, sister, I said, you know, I said, the older we get, the more sensitive, I think, to sin we get. We've talked about this before. I said, is that bothering you more now than it did maybe 10 years ago? Um, So the slightest thing troubles us because we want to walk before the Lord. I mean, you you, you see Job and and what God says about Job. And I'm like, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be like that man. You know, I, I want to I have that said about me, that, that there's a righteous man. You know, the sincere, fervent prayer of a righteous man, what, availeth much. You know, that's, that's the person that I want to be. But that's the difference, isn't it? You know, the state can't legislate that in the heart, but God has done that, you know, within our hearts. Um, the state can't legislate conversion. The, the, the state just restrains evil, and it punishes evildoers, but grace, the grace of God, regenerates the heart. The grace of God pardons the sinner. The grace of God causes us to, to desire to, to walk before him in truth and in love. Um, so, like we said, the state can't legislate obedience in the heart. It only has to do with restraint, but... Um, you have these two ministers, we could say. You have the minister of the state, and you have the minister of the church. And when we say the minister of the church, we're not talking about just one individual. We've already established that, right? We're talking about the church itself. Just like the state has, has, has many offices, you know, not just in our country or not just in our state or our community, but in the world itself, there's many officers, so also with us. I mean, we, there are many ministers you know, all over the world that are ministering right now, uh, the same time we are, they're meeting together and they're desiring the same things that, that Brother Jerry was praying about. That, Lord, show us, teach us, show us Christ. You know, help, help us to hear, help us to learn, help us to walk in these things that we may please you because above all things, that is, that is my desire. Because like we said before, we sang, we sang that hymn, what greater than to know that I am his and he is mine. What greater than to know, you know, that whenever I close my eyes here, I'm going to open them in heaven and behold his face. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That I'm going to see him one day. I have the earnest of my inheritance now, but I'm going to receive the fullness of it, the completeness of it, and have it forever. So both of these ministers have been given by the power of God. The power that we have as a church, I mean, we can't convert people either. Our power is in the Word of God, right? We proclaim the Word. In the beginning of this book, what did Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the, anybody? Power of God unto salvation. Yes, it is the power of God unto salvation. This is the sword that we bear. Uh, this is the truth that we proclaim. This is the banner that we carry. It is Christ. It is Christ. So we think about that hymn. We're talking about grace here. I mean, this grace of God in the lives of us and the lives of others that we, we pray for our families. We pray for people that we work with. I mean, I think about the men that, that, that work for um, the company that I work for. I, I think about uh, one of them was with us yesterday. And, 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 we were, and we were digging, and I'm, 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 I'm asking the Lord, you know, Lord, help me to be a help to this person. Help, help me, you know, to speak to this person about the Lord. Speak to this person who claims to know the Lord. It's his profession. I'm not seeing the fruit, <clears throat> but he claims to know the Lord. So he was talking about wood. I mean, he and, and Dad and I were in a ditch. We were digging a ditch. And they started talking about different types of trees because we were having to cut roots in that ditch, right? Those roots get in your way. And so they were talking about different types of trees. And I forget what tree it was. It was a sweet gum tree. And we were talking about what use is a sweet gum tree? You know, there, there haven't been any furniture. I I've never known sweet gum furniture. I, we were talking about that. Anybody ever had anything made out of sweet gum? You know, they drop those little balls, right? And they're little spiky balls, and you step on them, you don't have shoes on, and they hurt. Um, <clears throat> and they get everywhere, and they make a mess. But, I mean, it is for, good for shade. I'm, I'm, I agree. There's things that we could say. I mean, ultimately, we say God made it. It's good. 
<clears throat> it's good for something. It's probably good for things we don't even know. There's probably things that scientists will find out years later that the sweet gum tree was the most essential tree among all trees. Who knows? It may be something like that. But I asked him, I said, I said, there have been a, because I was heading somewhere. I said, has there ever been a song written about a sweet gum tree? And he thought a minute. He said, no. No. <clears throat> I said, well, there was a tree written about, I mean, a song written about a sycamore tree. And he said, Really? A song written about a sycamore tree. He was thinking. And I said, yeah, you remember the song. We learned it when we were in Sunday school as kids. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Amen. I can still remember that. You know, that was years ago. Did you learn that song, Donnie? No? You another one? I'll have to find it on YouTube and play it for you later. <clears throat> so, both the state and the church have power, but only one has the message of grace that can redeem. The state can do some things. The state can restrain evil. The state can seek to keep the peace. But the state cannot regenerate the heart. But the grace of God can. We need both ministers, don't we? We need the minister of the state. And we need the minister of the church. I mean, we're the salt and the light, right? So if you don't have the salt and the light, the world's going to become a really dark and corrupted place. I mean, salt preserves, right? So it's going to become a dark and corrupted place. We need both. One is needed for the peace of society. The other is needed for salvation. God maintains authority over both. God's given both. The state may decide to restrain the church. <laughs> They'd like to. The state may decide to restrain the church one day. What if the state restrains the church? Is God, is God fettered like we, we might be? Is God behind bars like we might be? Is God in prison like we might be? I, th- I think about that, and I think about, you know, Paul. And I looked at the passage this morning in 2 Timothy 2.9. He says, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer. He wasn't an evildoer, but he was suffering as an evildoer, even under bonds. But he says, the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. You remember we talked about that recently, how that the centurion, you know, had to be chained to Paul. He had to listen to the gospel too, didn't he? You know, so <clears throat> the word of God is not bound. There were people that were able to come and see Paul. And, and, and get help with whatever it was maybe they didn't get help with or just minister to him. I mean, you think about ministers, right? There were people that were coming to minister unto their minister, right? Because Paul was in prison. They were ministering <coughs> unto him. How can you minister to me? Pray for me. Pray for me throughout the week. Uh, every time you think about me, pray for me. And here's the one thing that I want you to pray for. You can pray for lots of things, I know. Because I have needs just like you have needs. Right? But pray that I might be able to do this. Might be able to do this right here. This is where my heart's at. I could give up all the rest of it. You know, this is what the Lord's put in my heart to do, is to do this. It, it, it would be hard for me not to do this. You know, you, you think about, uh, you know, in the Old Testament where, where one of the prophets says, it's like fire in my bones, you know. You've got to find a release, you know, for it. Um, but I, de- I desire the Lord would speak to me that I might be able to speak to you and not just speak to me that I might be able to speak to you, but speak to you words that are needed at the time, uh, that God would take the words that are spoken and make application to Donnie's circumstances, make application to Lydia's circumstances, make application to Ryan's circumstances, whatever that, those might be, because there are things going on with you that I don't know. There are things happening with you that I do not understand. Um, one I don't know what it's like to be 90 years old, right? I don't, I don't know what it's like to walk where Sister Joyce walks. Now, Sister Joyce was telling me how that, you know, she gets lonely a lot. Well, that's understandable. I mean, if I didn't have Teresa and I didn't have the kids, I would be lonely. I might even go so far as to, as to break down and get a cat or something. And y'all know how I feel about having one of those in the house, you know. <laughs> Steve's like, no. 
<laughs> Steve's got a dog. He didn't need a cat in the house. Um, but, but even if, it's like I told my kids, even if we are in our homes alone, we're not really alone, are we? Sister Joyce says she speaks to the Lord all the time. You know, there's not, there's not somebody else there to speak to. So she's speaking to the Lord all the time. Some of what interferes with us speaking to the Lord is having a lot of things going on around us. Um, you know, but, but um, the word of God's not bound. God has ordained the church and the state, and he is over both. You think about the wrath of man. Here's one of my favorite passages out of the Psalms. Psalm 7610. I don't know that I've quoted this since Donnie and Delina have, have, have started coming here, but I may have. Do you recognize Psalm 7610? Anybody? Well, if it's not a favorite passage, you may not. But it's one of my favorites. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Have you heard that before? You ever heard that verse? Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. Speaking of God, the wrath of man's going to praise God. God's in ultimate and complete control of all things. The wrath of man even. Even the wrath of man is going to praise him. And it says the remainder, what would not praise God? The remainder thereof, the residue thereof, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. God's going to restrain that which does not praise him. So it's hard to imagine how the wrath of man could praise God, but it can because it says it right here. You know, even if I can't come up with an illustration for you about it, the wrath of man will praise God. It will praise God. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. So again, in terms of if we find ourselves, which we could, uh, more so than at any other time in my life, am I seeing the possibility, you know, that that could happen, you know, to the church as the state seek to restrain the church instead of seeking to restrain the evil that there is in the world. Uh, you know, there's, there's, this is the time. This is a time, in my life anyway. And I'm not saying that things right now are as bad as the world's ever been. Can't say that, can we? I mean, it looks pretty bad, but, but let's go back to Genesis. What does the Bible say about men at that time? Hmm? Yes, the thoughts and the intents of their hearts were on evil every once in a while. No continually all the time continually and we may think we live there maybe we think we live there more than we've ever lived there before you know how about Sodom and Gomorrah that's pretty bad too Um, those are two times the Lord said okay enough the wrath of man's going to praise me but the residue thereof I will restrain he restrained it with that flood he restrained it with fire from heaven he restrained it when there was a man that sat on the throne of Egypt and had enslaved Israel. And he said, let my people go. The wrath of that king was no longer praising God. And God says, I'm going to restrain this. And plague upon plague upon plague upon plague came upon Egypt until finally he said, enough, I'll let your people go. And then he changed his mind. I'm going to destroy them. God again restrained him, didn't he? Horse and rider and chariot all overthrown at the bottom of that sea. So, should we be afraid? No, we shouldn't be. Have we been guilty of being afraid? Yeah, yeah. Do we need to repent of being afraid? Yes. Um, So, you know, don't be afraid of men's faces. That was one of the first things that was told to me whenever I first started preaching. And that's a passage from Scripture. Don't be afraid of their faces. Because you could stand up in front of a group of people. You know, this is one thing. Here I am standing here preaching to you. You want to be here for the most part. I mean, sometimes our kids get drugged to church and they don't want to be there. But for the most part, everybody here wants to be here and they want to hear God's Word, right? What if you were Paul, you know, before the authorities that he was drugged before 
whether it was the Sanhedrin or it was before, you know, Nero's court, that's different. You know, don't be afraid of their faces. You know, what power do they have? Hmm? What power do they have? Only what's given by God, right? Yeah. Isn't that what the Lord responded unto Pilate? You would have no power against me except it were given to you from above. And that goes for Daniel, and that goes for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we could go on down the line. No power against us at all except it's given from above. So that should give us cause to be bold, to be bold. I'm not saying that we'd be offensive and we'd be rude because we're told here we're, we, we are to, you know, we talked about respecting, you know, the, the authority and the power that God's given in the state. And I think Paul, you know, was that as he stood before authorities and he spoke. He used whatever means that were at his disposal. I'm a Roman citizen. Are you going to beat a Roman citizen? You know, I'm not saying that we can't use those means. But we do not have to fear their faces. I mean, I know that we can. There's not a man in this room that couldn't be put in the right set of circumstances that he would not be afraid. And he could be a battle-tested, hardened, um, you know, I'm not saying a hard heart, but I mean, he's been in battle. He's faced, you know, dangerous situations. He could be put in the right set of circumstances where he would be afraid. How are we not going to fear? We need grace. We need God's grace. We need to get up every day asking for God's grace. Um, looking to the Lord for grace. Looking to the Lord for strength. Looking to the Lord to be able to stand in the evil day that we're living in. And we are living in an evil day. There's not been a set of Christians in any day that hasn't lived in an evil day. But we're living in an evil day and we need strength and we need grace to be able to stand. So I came across this. I wanted to read to you. Hold fast to a God who decrees. It's the word that goes forth out of his mouth, right? Hold fast to a God who decrees, to a Christ who redeems, to a spirit who quickens, to a gospel which promises, to a heaven which is prepared, to a God who is infinitely more ready to save you than you can possibly be desirous to be saved by him. I was talking to Anna last night. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. But I was trying to convey to her the value, the importance, the preciousness of her soul before God. I think we were talking about him rejoicing. That's what it was. So the Bible says he rejoices over us with singing, right? And I was trying to tell her, Anna Lynn Lee, the God who spoke the worlds into existence, who made all things, who gave his only begotten son to redeem us from our sins, rejoices over you with singing. That's all of us. You can put your name in there. He rejoices over all of us with singing. I think I was talking to you about that too, sister. This has been on my mind lately. We were on the phone. I was, I was, I was talking about that on the phone the other day. Um, you know, that God rejoices over us with singing. That's, that's incredible in my mind to, to think about. <clears throat> what did we say not too long ago? I told you what, one of my new favorite sayings, you know, is ready to go, willing to stay. Ready to go, willing to stay. Still like that one. That was still on my mind. Um, but let me just read some other passages to you in closing. Philippians three twenty and 21. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We're talking about power. We're talking about ministers. We're talking about grace. We're talking about evil being restrained. It says here God's able to subdue all things unto himself. He holds all things together, right, by what? The word of his power. Um, I'm being held together. I'm part of all things. I'm being held together by the word of his power. This pulpit's being held together by the word of his power. I mean, I've got grape juice in this cup. You know, it's, it's a liquid, you know, but it's being held together by the word of his power. It it's not just evaporating in the air. Um, 
It's not floating off into space. It's all being held together by the word of his power. But subdue all things unto himself. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, To an inheritance un- incorruptible. Can't be corrupted. Can't be changed. It's incorruptible. Undefiled. Fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. Second, I'm just reading these things to you. Just some encouragement. Right? I mean, we're living in a difficult day, aren't we? We've gone through a week where we've... We've, we've had some difficulties and some problems. I'm trying to give you some verses here to kind of uplift you. 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, this is, you know, in light of the fact that the state may decide to restrain us. The state may decide to put us to death. Well, guess what? We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a house. Thinking about a house, Hebrews 11.10 says, A city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. A better country, Hebrews 11.16 says. That is, you know, we, we're, here we are. We're, we're in this country right now. But there's a better country. There's a far country. There's a country that awaits us. A better country, it says. That is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hebrews 12.22 but you are come unto Mount Zion as opposed to what? What's the other mount that would have been a fearful mount? A mount that Israel came to. A mount that trembled and quaked and burned with fire and lightning. What mount was that? Sinai, right? We've not come to Mount Sinai, but we've come to Mount Zion under the city of the living God, the heaven through Jerusalem. You know, that, that mountain couldn't be touched, right? But we're going to touch this. We're going to occupy this. We're going to dwell in this place, right? So we've come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, or to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things, than that of Abel. You know, that's why I was telling you the other day that the book of Hebrews is a book of better things, right? Speaketh better things than that of Abel to a better country, right? <clears throat> Second Timothy 4, 8 says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? I mean, right now, there's a place reserved in heaven for you. It is as if you already occupy that place even though you're still here. It's there, it's sure, it's definite. Nothing's going to change it, right? It's, it's reserved for you in heaven. Place with your name on it, nobody else's. It's for you. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Acts 5.31, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Ready to go. Willing to stay. Amen. Willing to stay. Yeah, today. Yeah. We're not promised tomorrow, right? Sufficient is the day and the trouble thereof, right? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, brother. Today. You're ready to go today, though. Yeah. I, <laughs> even so come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, he's ready to go now. Yeah. My, my kids get tired of hearing me say that. Teresa gets tired of hearing me say that, I think, because um, she's like, I'm not ready for you to go. Well, I'm willing to stay, you know, but I'm ready to go, you know. Um, I'm ready to go. I don't know if they're ready. The Lord knows that, if they're ready for me to go. But the Lord, does the Lord need me to take care of them? Mm-mm. No, doesn't need me at all. But I'm willing to be used by him as long as he sees fit. Uh, so takes me I've already mentioned Brother Woodruff and I know I've talked about this before but <clears throat> it's the illustration that's all in mind at the moment he told me he said I do not know why I'm still here I said brother the Lord has purpose you're ready to go but be willing to stay you know because the Lord's got a purpose still maybe your grandkids because he lived right there in the backyard he, he was he was staying in a, in, a, in a little travel trailer right in the backyard you know and his grandkids had access to him at any time. They could come over and sit in Grandpa's lap. They'd come over and eat Grandpa's ice cream. You know, they'd come over and spend time with Grandpa. 
Um, you know, so he was there. I said, Brother, the Lord has a purpose. You know that. You know, I don't have to tell you that. You know that already. But what, what it was is he was ready to go. He was ready to go. Sister Bess had gone a long time before then. He was ready to go. He was ready to go. So, then that place, there will be no politics. <laughs> there will be no factions. There will be no opposing parties. There will be no social engineering. There will be none of those things. But we'll be forever with him. The Prince of Peace who shall reign forever and ever. But the church has ministers. The state has ministers. The church doesn't need to be afraid of the state. That's power ordained by God. He sets up kings. He takes down kings. The heart of the king is what? Anybody? In his hands. Like a river of water, he turns it with us wherever he pleases. And sometimes we look at the way God pleases to turn that, and we wonder, Lord, that doesn't seem good. This seems bad. This is hard. But God knows what he's doing. You know, he knows what he's doing. We can trust him, can't we? You know, there's, there's been things happened to my kids, things that, that I wouldn't have chosen for them. But I've been able to say to, him, to them, God knows what he's doing. God has a purpose. God's doing something here. We may not be able to see it. We may not be able to understand it. But he's doing something. You can trust him. You can rely upon him. You can turn to him. You can hope in him. You can ask him for grace to bear you through it. He's able. He's able to deliver you. He's able to save you. He's able to sustain you. He's able to keep you. Um, We're kept by what? Come on. Kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. We're being kept by him. Keep on keeping on. Keep on pressing on. The Lord's keeping you. He's carrying you, isn't he? I've got a few gray hairs, right? Even under those, it says the Lord's not going to say, I'm done with you. You don't have any strength, any energy. You're not of any use anymore. Even under those gray hairs, he carries us. He continues to carry us. So just crawl up there in his arms and say, Lord, carry me. Carry me through. Keep me. I know you're able. I don't have the strength. I'm not able to do it, but I know that you are. So any thoughts? Hopefully it's been some encouragement to you. I don't know. We've been kind of talking about the state. It's been kind of gloomy. You know, I got tired of the gloom. I wanted to talk about <laughs> something more, something better, a better country. We won't have to have plastic flowers there. <laughs> That's what I was smiling about. They'll all be real. There won't be any corruption. I don't... I don't guess there's not any death there, so I don't guess they'll die. You know? I guess they'll be perpetual, whatever it is. I don't know. Whatever it is, it'll be better than here. Uh, and then this is gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, you think about a sin-cursed earth and still the beauty that there is to be found. Uh, what's heaven going to be like? How beautiful is heaven going to be? Do you long for the day? Do you look forward to it? When you can look into the face of your Savior and praise Him with a perfect tongue and with a perfect mind and with a perfect heart, perfect pitch. You were telling me you can't sing like you used to, sister. Perfect tone. It's pleasing to Him now. We're making a joyful noise, right? We've had, we have had people come in that have left and said they wouldn't come back because they didn't enjoy the song service. You know? <clears throat> Somebody sang off key. I don't know. No, I don't know. That did happen, though. Well, if the song service is what you're looking for, they've got those churches that that's all they're about. It's, it's all about the song service. So if that's what you're looking for. You can find it. You can find it. Yeah. All right. Well, pray for Anita. I know if, if she could be here today, she would be. Um, I don't know. Have you talked to her recently? I know Donnie sent her some 
helpful stuff. Um, so hopefully um, she uh, has a better time of it than, than uh, some others. So any, anybody else, any other thoughts? Pray for Brother Jordan and Sister Dorothy. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. Is that in Franklin? Okay. 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 But Hopewell, where is that church? Hopewell, Texas? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, um, we can hope they're well, right? <laughs> yeah, we can hope they're well. Yeah. Well, when you're without a washer and dryer, when you get one back, you can be pretty thankful, right? <laughs> Teresa had one that wanted to dump water in, and then it would just go right out. It wouldn't stop and do its part and then go out. It just kept going. <clears throat> so she's thankful now. She's got one that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. But it is good to, to have those things. We have a lady here in... And, and, and she's not here today, but but um, there was she has a washer and dryer now. But for a long time, you know what she was washing her clothes in? A wheelbarrow. That was her washing machine. It was a wheelbarrow. She would you know, wash those clothes in that wheelbarrow. We do whatever we have to, right? Amen. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> we can go wash our clothes while they're still on us if we had to. I don't know how clean they'd be after jumping in the creek down here because it's pretty muddy. <laughs> I guess they wouldn't smell quite as bad as we wore them for two or three days, sweating them, you know. They'd be a little better. But there's lots to be thankful for, isn't there? We're thankful that y'all are here today. Yeah. Good to see you. Appreciate you. Yeah. We'll be praying for you. Yeah. Yes. The narrow way. Yeah. Yeah. You were able to get up this morning and go, right? Right. That's kind of like the, being able to wash your clothes, yeah. Able to get up and go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer.